Hello all, welcome to this episode of Anesthesia on Air, the podcast from the Royal College of Anesthetists. My name is Jan, I'm an SD6 currently in Great Ormond Street Hospital. I'm one of the two UK anesthetic representatives from GASOC, Global Anesthesia Surgery Obstetric Collaboration. Hi, I'm Fee in SD5 in Southampton. I'm the other UK anesthetic rep of GASOC. In this series, we're going to dive into the global partnerships work in the college These are opportunities for anaesthetists of all grades to engage with the college's international work. In this episode, we have the privilege to talk to Dr. Sanjay Deshpande and Dr. Anna Wilkinson. They both were involved in the BKL Walawaka Hospital in Durban, India. Welcome to you both. And Sanjay, how about you introduce yourself and your involvement with BKL Walawaka? Uh, My name is Dr. Sanjay Deshpande. I'm a consultant uh, in anesthetics, which based at South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. I've been working in this trust since the year 2000. Uh, In the year 2005, I had a trip to India, uh, a social trip with my family. And during the trip, I obviously met my mom. Uh, She... I uh, was quite happy to see me after after nearly a year and and one of the one while we were having a conversation she basically addressed to me what contribution are you got done to india and that really uh, put me back uh, and and thought about this project in derwan uh, my family allowed me to visit derwan uh, and the walawalkar hospital I accompanied one of my consultant colleagues who used to work at Guy's and St. Thomas's, uh, who actually moved from Guy's and went to Derwan to work in orthopedics. And when I saw the setup in Derwan, I just got really, wow, this is a fantastic setup. So I, when I came back to UK, I accompanied my colleagues, uh, uh, one of my uh, surgical colleague, uh, anesthetic colleague, a uh, couple of nurses, and we went to this place called the Grey Hand Pub, which is in South Shields. And after the rounds of beer, I just mentioned the whole story about their one. And, and I just expressed my interest that if we form a team of doctors and nurses and a company to their one to make a difference, if is anybody interested, and to my complete sort of surprise, everybody raised their hands. They had no clue where this place is. And the only place I sold was Goa. It's near Goa, which is the beach, in a very famous beach in India. So that probably was one of the plus points of uh, making them signed up to go to their one. And that's great. Um, So you've told us a bit about the background and what about the work that actually happens with the project? Uh, The the project has been set up since 2006. And um, the whole idea of the project was to go and uh, sort of support the staff in Derwan because they had very uh, limited resources, very limited staff. Uh, they had a lot of workload uh, like general surgery, orthopedics, ophthalmology, uh, obstetrics, high incidence of preeclampsia and eclampsia there, and uh, the high incidence of uh, urinary stones. 
because of the because of the humid climate and dehydration. So we initially went there to uh, try and improve patient safety, uh, trying to uh, ensure that they their practices are safe uh, for the for the patient care and for the staff care. And we we actually provided anesthesia and surgery uh, for the first uh, five or six years of the camp. And subsequently, we realized that the the local people are quite good at the surgical work. We just need to focus on education and training. And uh, this particular thinking about the Derwan project just came to my light that this might be an opportunity for anesthetic trainees to come across along with the consultants to get exposure to uh, sort of uh, global health initiatives, uh, sort of uh, uh, exposure to multi-professional work uh, uh, and, uh, and exposure to tropical illnesses uh, and opportunities to do hands-on work under supervision. Uh, obviously, there was exposure to diversity, equality and inclusion, which is now quite a, uh, a sort of uh, buzzwords in the National Health Service. Um, so I felt that this might be a golden opportunity for anesthetic trainees to get exposure to a different health settings and enhance their confidence uh, uh, in their in their in their uh, abilities. Uh, also, I noticed that the college matrix had included developing world anesthesia in ST6, and I thought the project of India would fit very well in this college matrix so that trainees, when they go and do this sort of exposure to this uh, uh, their one thing, they can add value to their anesthetic training and basically uh, um, be a very well established qualified anesthetist. That sounds great. How about you, Anna? Um, do you mind telling us about you and your story with BKL and Walla Walker? Of course. Hi, um, so my name is Anna. I'm one of the uh, ST6s in anaesthetics in Glasgow at the moment. Um, I uh, generally have always tried to find opportunity to go and work abroad and go on a bit of an adventure um, since I, probably since I had went on a medical elective. Um, so whenever I've had a natural gap in my training, I tended to have tried to find a project I could get involved with. Uh, so that led me to initially spending some time in Malawi, later in Panama and South Africa as well, before going to India. And I've since worked um, on the safe surgery project in uh, Senegal with Mercy Ships as well. So I've done a few different types of projects, some more clinical and some more training based uh, and educational. Um, what brought me to the India, uh, this particular project, the BKL Walla Walker one was, um, I was in between my core training and uh, ST3. And one of the main appeals was the fact that Sanjay and his team had already established really good links that they had an ongoing relationship with this hospital. They were attending every year. Um, so I knew what I was going to. I was able to be briefed really well before I went. And Sanjay's team has also managed to identify individuals from a range of departments and specialties who would be um, 
you know, really good links for us to have while we were there. There were people who were able to help us find equipment for teaching and facilitate stimulation um, and knew who to ask if we needed permission to do a project, how to go through those procedures. So it was really helpful when you're only going for a short period of time. So I was there for just under three months at the end of 2019. So this was preceding the pandemic. Um, and it's difficult when you first arrive somewhere and you're there for such a short time to, to establish those connections, to be able to really get going with any quality improvement projects or teaching projects. You kind of need a little bit of a settling in time, but that can be speeded up a little bit when you've already uh, part of a project that's a much longer term um, and that um, the receiving hospital already understands a lot. So that was one of the real um, pools to the project. Um, in terms of what we did when we were there, we were mainly, we were clinical. So I was with um, another uh, post-core trainee um, and we also had a pediatric nurse with us as well. Um, we um, had really excellent support. So all of the doctors, all of the anesthesia providers in India and in that hospital were doctors. Some of them had done a diploma, some of them hadn't yet or were studying for that. Um, and there was also some professors, junior and senior professors that were on site as well. So they were able to give us some guidance if we wanted to make changes and, and talk about any education type projects or uh, journal clubs and, and that sort of thing. In terms of how the day ran, we would tend to um, induce anaesthesia as a team of anaesthetic doctors. So there would tend to be two anaesthetists there uh, at the start of all the cases. And this was really nice environment actually, because we could have a chat, uh, a really nice informal chat with uh, our colleagues there about different techniques, about drug dosing. I remember having conversation quite a few times about local anaesthetic dosing, not everyone's calculating it. and just having chats about where we were finding and sourcing our information, what resources we were using. Um, and that more informal type of uh, education was like a really enjoyable part of it. And we very much worked uh, as a team uh, when we did cases. So I didn't ever feel vulnerable or exposed. Um, and uh, the team also out of ours was a campus hospital. So even if people weren't on call, you could still phone a friend and, and people were really happy to come in and, and uh, give you a hand if you needed to as well. So um, it provided a really great supportive environment, but to still practice clinical anesthesia, which can be tricky to do when you're not post CCT. The other thing that happened in this hospital is that they would have, so during the daytime uh, on a regular week, we would have a variety of cases that would include maxillofacial work um, uh, for cancer surgeries, um, ENT, uh, urology, orthopedics, um, general surgery cases. But then we would also have these camps and that would involve external surgeons sometimes coming from a city like Pune and bringing a, sometimes bringing a team or just coming themselves and just for an intense two to three days doing a lot of surgeries that the, the patients were coming in specifically for. So there was a really nice variety as well. It sounds like there was great involvement over there. Um, Sanjay, we saw that you brought this project to become a recognized now SIA specialist interest area module for resource poor environment. Uh, why was that so? Um, what did you see that made you wanted to do that? 
basically I felt there were quite a few things which uh, sort of came across to me. One is the, the safe environment, uh, the, uh, the environment where there is a lot of education and training, uh, uh, exposure to tropical illnesses, which you don't see uh, uh, in this country, uh, multi-professional work, uh, and obviously I mentioned about scorpions and snake bites, because uh, that's quite a quite a uh, sort of a, a prevalent area where there is a lot of snake bite and scorpion bites come. Um, then also uh, insight into previous team experiences and visits. So I felt that establishing a bilateral relationship or partnership between the college and their one uh, would, would really um, sort of uh, provide a win-win situation for, for trainees from the UK, as well as training in, in India as well, because they all are hungry to learn and, and, and keen to uh, provide safe practices for the patient care. So I just found that was quite a, a strong sort of impetus for me to uh, sort of sell to the college to say, look, this is a golden opportunity and I would I would be very happy to try and provide support for those trainees. Yeah, Sanjay, I uh, remember you talking about something that Anna did, um, like a video. Tell us a bit more about that and how that um, perhaps was uh, surprisingly beneficial. That was an excellent partnership which um, which Anna and Abby uh, is sort of uh, established with the with the with the doctors and the nurses in Derwan. Uh, there was a uh, this particular project was on fasting guidelines, and that was picked up in, in the few trips before we actually uh, been going to Derwan, and there was a there was a considerable fasting period of these patients had uh, were waiting before the surgery. And what Anna and Abby did is uh, they involved uh, the, the nurses, the, the surgeons, the anesthetists, and they developed a video uh, which, was pro which was developed in the, in the local language as well as in English. And these videos are played while patients are awaiting surgical appointments. So it's not only empowering the staff, it's empowering the patients as well, so that they are aware that they should not be fasting for too long. So that was a very powerful sort of message which went across to all the community as well as to the staff. And that really made a huge impact. Oh, Sanjay, that was a great um, chat about um, some really mutually beneficial stories. Um, I've heard about other stories that were improving patient safety. When we actually went to the camps uh, initially, we noticed that there was a, some kind of a practice where uh, the technicians and the initiatives would break the ampules and throw, throw the sharps in the corner of the room or in the operating theater. And I uh, and all the staff felt quite uh, unsafe in that kind of environment. And there were a couple of ODPs who accompanied me and they felt very restless while they were observing this and they won't talk to me. And I said, what's going on guys? And one of the one of the ODPs went left the theater and he came after 15 minutes 
and he basically got a cardboard box uh, which basically he taped it and he made a hole in the middle and he said to all the technicians and the initiatives now henceforth all the shops will be going into this cardboard box and that really made an immediate change in the in the behavior of the staff from the next day onwards everybody was throwing shops into this particular uh, boxes so that nobody got really hurt or no, it was just a demonstration of how uh, you can work outside the box and implement a, a safe practice in india there must be some other stories about like tropical diseases well uh, we when we went to uh, Dewan, we actually saw in one of the camps a patient who had scorpion bite, and 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 obviously I just was uh, looking at some of the literature because um, uh, of scorpions and 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 there's a there's a trainee who has been to Dewan before. She was one of the sort of organizers for the Association of Initiatives meeting in Belfast in 2022. And she said, even though if you don't come, I'm going to record your PowerPoint presentation and we will display this presentation in Belfast for people to view it. And this was a scorpion sting and, and scorpion sting, basically patients present a little bit late because they initially get local treatment by quacks in the villages and when they arrive they are in the autonomic storm uh, which basically uh, causes exhaustion of the catecholamines and patients present with cardiogenic shock and the 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 hospital doctors are quite used to seeing these kind of conditions and we noticed that the patients actually responded to inotropes uh, invasive ventilation and 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 some of the uh, sort of support to care to the scorpion sting patients, and they got better. So that was a, quite a positive story, which I actually presented in the Belfast uh, presentation, where the scorpion bite patient, uh, how this autonomic storm happened, and how they responded to inotropes, and eventually got better. That sounds great that we were sharing knowledge from uh, different continents in, in an academic context as well. Um, Anna, um, how about you? What were the most memorable stories? Tell us a little bit about that when you were Bikel Walla Walker. For me, I mean, there's certainly one patient that, that really stands out for me. Um, and it was a, an obstetric case and she was a lady who had delivered her second child in a nursing home, which is quite common um, in that in the country and, and certainly in that area, which is in a rural part of Maharashtra. And she was brought in in the back of an ambulance, which is really just a vehicle with a sort of flat bed in the back. And I think she had maybe a blue cannula in and she'd been transferred for a PPH and I'd become aware of her because someone had come through to the theatre suite to ask if I could put in a central line. And I was thinking, hmm, I'd much rather use an ultrasound, so I'm going to have to see. But then I was thinking, why, why are we moving so quickly? It looked like there was a sense of urgency about this. So I went to have a look at this patient and I've never seen uh, someone, I think, so anemic, acutely anemic. So um, her mucous membranes were like a grey white colour and she was sort of agonal breathing and it just, uh, it looked 
she was in, in such a dreadful condition and I was just thinking how can this possibly have a good outcome it was hard to imagine at that time um but uh, we had a, a bit of a backup called in fortunately so many of the uh, staff live on site because it's a campus it's a teaching it's got a university element uh, or college sorry that teaches nursing staff and things and so there's quite a lot of people on campus and a lot of the doctors are resident on campus so a lot of people um, came in and lines were she was taken to theatre with minimal delay uh, blood took a little bit of time to come and her haemoglobin was around three or four um, she had a cannula sighted light invasive line sighted arterial lines and um, they did eventually they struggled to achieve hemostasis and she did it unfortunately end up having a hysterectomy uh, and remained unstable after receiving a good amount of blood we were lucky to, that we had a blood bank on site although it doesn't mobilize in the same way that we have with a major hemorrhage this sort of that type of protocol um, of getting things moving really quickly in this sort of instance doesn't quite uh, it's not quite as established um, and even after post-op I wondered how she was going to survive on ICU she was on a couple of inotropes and and the nursing ratios were about four to one there I would say and the familiarity with with using inotropes and with the weaning isn't so good um, so I mean I know myself and some of the other doctors were going in to see her four or five, six times a day, just trying to tinker with the inotropes and things. And um, then she had, she did improve, still more blood products, et cetera, but um, she was extubated. She went to the ward and I went to speak to her about um, a, a, afterwards through an interpreter. And it was amazing to chat with her and hear uh, what she remembered of coming in uh, she she said that embarrassing she had heard my voice it must have stuck out my accent and it probably was speaking relatively loudly at that time uh, when she first came in and she just uh, was telling me that uh, she was just so grateful that she was getting help and her whole journey to the hospital she thought she was going to be leaving her two children with no mother which obviously um, it can be catastrophic and you know they haven't got the social uh, systems to to look after children often in, in those settings so um it was just I was so relieved and so delighted and it was just it, you know it was a very personal uh, experience to to hear that for to be able to speak to her afterwards as well so that that's really stuck with me what an amazing and heartwarming story it's really the people who make the place it really serves as a great reminder doesn't it that to tell us about the health inequality and health inequity in the world and all the more the reasons why global partnership and its work is so so important for the five billion people who do not have direct access to global surgery and the work like GASOC and global partnership has been doing are there any people that you worked with, Anna, that really made you, your experience there so memorable? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Ketke Patak um, was a junior professor of anaesthesia at BKL Wallet Walker. Uh, she really made our experience there uh, so much richer. She um, was a very, despite you know working in the system in India, where resources are just chronically and there must be a lot of frustration associated with working in that type of system. She was so uh, optimistic, enthusiastic. She was a great teacher um, and she was great at always 
um, when we had an idea, she she really didn't find the problems in the idea. She was looking to help make us make things happen. If we wanted to start a project, deliver some teaching, yes, she would be there. Yep, she would help find a, a, some of the simulation equipment, etc. Um, so she really stuck out after you know working in a few projects in, in different countries seeing someone with that sort of attitude and uh, just she's she was just didn't want to take no for an answer she wanted to keep looking uh, forward so um she was a real pleasure to spend time with a very uh, warm welcoming person she had us to her house and and just uh, was a really wonderful person and i was really sad to hear that um, unfortunately, she'd uh, suffered with COVID infection. And I know that the team there would have done their absolute best to look after her. I've no doubt. Um, but unfortunately, she died from COVID. I know she had some chronic health problems. And, and so she would have been in an at-risk population. It does, it does make you reflect because you think, well, here in the UK, I got my vaccines pretty early on, really. Um, and I know that my colleagues who would have been compromised um, would have been able to protect themselves at home. And I just know that even if it had been suggested to her that she should stay at home, she wouldn't have wanted to. She wouldn't have wanted to use her skills. And, you know, at, at a time like that, she would have definitely wanted to, to turn up and, and contribute. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really great loss to, to hear, unfortunately, that that she died. I was really sad about that because um, she really stuck out. So um, I thank you for um, the opportunity to mention her because she really was an integral part of, of my experience and in the success of many of the projects that, that we did there. And very humbling thoughts indeed. Thank you so much for sharing about her. Um, for those who are interested, feel free to contact Dr. Andesh Pandey on sanjay.deshpandey at nhs.net or contact Global Partnerships at global at rcoa.ac.uk. Thank you so much for both of you for chatting with us and please everyone else stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you.